When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This is a crowd podcast. Breakaway, come again, right hook to the head. I remember thinking he's the best of a lot. Where do you now rank Canelo Alvarez on the pound for pound list? Like wizardry in the corner to stop that blood. He's very much in the fight. Where do you think he lands in that three? Let's get on with it. I'm George, he's Deck. Hello, it's the George Groves Boxing Club. Hey, Deck. No, hola. Hola. Hey. Well, you know, technically you're, you're still sunning yourself in Mexico, I know. But it's a new week now, even though we are reviewing last week. The fight's happened. It's in the past. And um, what a week it's been. And we're obviously going to get into the get into the fight now. It is how about that. We've got this one. And we've also got the Sky Show, which I haven't seen, George. So you, I'm, I've got some questions for you on it because I'm very interested to hear what the crack was in Birmingham. But should we start in Mecky Hall? John Ryder is up against it in his task of fighting Sol Canelo Alvarez. Tell me your ringside breakdown. John Ryder, first and foremost, the bollocks on him. I saw a tweet where it said, it's a good job he's called Gorilla because he's got balls like King Kong. It was just... One of the gutsiest, bravest performances I've ever seen from a Brit. Let's not forget he lost pretty widely as well by Canelo. Like, we can't forget that. One of the judges had it 120, 107. We'll get into that in a minute. But he lost a unanimous decision in Mexico. He dared to be great. Didn't come off for him. He got a broken nose in the second round. So early. And he got dropped heavy in the fifth. And it looked at that point that it was going to be an early night. It was going to be a stoppage. But the way he came back from it, he hung in there, hung, hung tough as anyone. By the end, he's still swinging. And Canelo knackered all because of John Ryder. And we spoke in our preview pod and I said that there was a way that he could lose well or you can come out of this as a loser, but still with your stock having risen. And I feel like that's exactly what happened. He just didn't have answers for Canelo. He couldn't quite put a dent in him. Got close. He wasn't scared, overawed by the occasion. It was a magnificent occasion, by the way. But he comes away from Mexico, no belts in the uh, overhead lockers on his EasyJet flight. He's got some big nights to look forward to. Um, he'd suggested he might retire after this. He ain't retiring. He's going to have some big ones. And like you said, in our pod with John Ryder, if you haven't listened to that from way back when, you you know, you suggested John is the best yet to come. And I think we've seen that, that it is. And if he can come back from this one, because it was a hard fight and he broke his nose, you know, he took some damage. If he can come back from this, he's got some big nights ahead of him. There'll be people, big names queuing up to fight him and do what Canelo, try to do what Canelo couldn't do. And that's stop him. A big night for him. He was gutted afterwards, which I think is a great sign. You said last week, George, that, 
it's not a good sign to be walking around going, oh, you know, I could still lose and come out. He, they were here to win. Absolutely almost crying at the press conference. And he came out with this bandage under his nose. Blood is coming out. It, literally an hour after the fight, his nose is still bleeding all over the table in front of him. He's still sat there talking to the media. So hats off. Not many people would do that. You were one of the ones, George, who would always talk afterwards. In his position after that sort of a fight, a lot of people would have been like, fuck that, I can't be asked with that. But he came out and he discussed the fight and he went into it. So hats off for that. I think John Ryder, the story of the fight for me, maybe I'm biased as a Brit, but the story of the fight is John Ryder's performance and John Ryder coming out a hero in a gutsy performance. And maybe, just maybe, like Ryder said in his press conference, Canelo's on the slide. So second round, Johnny Ryder's nose goes because the blood starts appearing in the third. General consensus was that he was in the second and you can see a heavy shot that he gets caught with in the second. Did you get a feel for that? ringside there and then yes so it was right at the end of the second and it was a short sharp one it wasn't like like you know one where you think core blind but it was it, it landed and he was looking for like a kind of widish right hook more than the straight one but that was a straight one that got him and the nose went and that's why you saw the blood in the third round they did a, a job on it in the break but then it really started coming out he said as soon as he, Canelo landed the shot his nose obviously breaks instantly he says he's just the blood just filling up in his throat. So he's struggling to breathe. He's bleeding. He's like fucking out. Canelo's all on top of him. And then, yeah, in the third, it's just pouring out. It's pouring out for rounds. And we got to say, what a job the corner did. Because by the end, I don't know if he just ran out of blood, but by the end of the fight, he's barely bleeding anymore. So hats off to that. Mark Seltzer and Tony Sims in the corner, like wizardry in the corner to stop that blood. I thought Ryder's doing okay after two rounds. He's, he's sort of in the fight. He's settled in and, and this could could work for him. He gets the, the injury at the at the end of the second. And then, yeah, there's, I mean, there's loads of, the, his claret is flying in the third. Even at that point, I mean, John, John always punches back. Like he's worked on that in camp. You know, I'm sure he's, he's, you know, that's a conscious decision. You know, people say they're built that way and that, but this would have been a conscious thing in camp is to punch back, you know, just, just keep firing back. So, the best part it worked because Canelo at times I thought off the boil he was off the boil you know um, there was a there was a laziness to his attacks and his approaches and it's almost like whereas he just had so much success has he been spoilt with success the way he's fought some of the other super middleweights wasn't enough with John Ryder at times he slip and slides and he, and he punches back and he was evading a lot of shots um, at the start of the fight Canelo wasn't being too smart I thought with his attacks you know he was getting caught a lot with John Ryder's shot that sort of that, that cheeky uppercut that comes from the inside and then he'll change the angle afterwards the strength caught like caught up with Ryder you know there was at least twice I think it was deck where Ryder goes over and he gets hit as he goes over and the referee sort of calls it a, a knockdown but it just shows you who's got the stronger foot position essentially do you know what I mean you know once one person's legs getting knocked out by the other the fifth round deck he gets caught and dropped in the fifth round what, what was that like ringside it was a heavy one and it was just straight basic hard one two the, the jab just touches him, finds the distance and a right hand straight as an arrow straight down the pipe. And it catches him hard and it's, he sort of stumbles back to the ropes. It's one of those slightly delayed re reactions. It's not an Alex Mack vaporization. It's a little stumble back on the floor and he's on, he's down for a long time. And I'm thinking, oh no, he's done. But he was just taking his time and thinking, I'll take my count here. I asked him in the press conference, how did you, how did you come back from that? It was heavy as fuck. And obviously his nose is broken. He can barely breathe. And I think that's partly the reason why he got 
got out muscled at times just physically he, you know he's, he's battling against that as well but he said he just thought of Nigel Ben it was going through his head Nigel Ben spends a lot of time in that camp obviously Connor's dad um, who Connor trains alongside John with um, Tony Sims and he just said I just thought about to- uh, Nigel Ben I, I thought what would Nigel Ben do and he'd come back and he'd come back swinging it's exactly what Nigel Ben did against Gerald McLennan got knocked out of the ring in the first round back in their epic fight and comes back to stop Gerald McLennan and Ryder just thought well Nigel Ben would get back up and keep swinging and I thought he was done many people would be and I wonder if the Canelo of old at that point would have been able to take Ryder out or maybe that's doing a disservice for Ryder because he just yeah he couldn't capitalise on it Ryder had a solid sixth considering how heavy he went down in the fifth he he had a good sixth you know that is a pivotal round in the fight if Canelo just steamrolls him then it's over just on that let's just I just want to bring in one listener interaction we have from Matt J. Kelly John Ryder may be the first elite club member to lose he says but one man toughest man in the club based on that getting up from that knockdown and making it to the end of the fight I don't I can't argue with that Matt J. Kelly the build up to the to that drop in the fifth round is that Canelo now is very in the right hand. I think he does this anyway. He likes to throw a like a long loopy right hook to the body. The left hook to the the lead left hook to the body, which is sort of like a very difficult shot to throw that used to be one of his best shots. He threw it once or twice in the first one or two rounds, and then we didn't see it again. So I don't know how that wrist was going. But he varies the right hook to the body, and then it's a breakaway, come again, right hook to the head, but then he throws it one, two straight. So the tempo is much quicker catches John and yeah shows balls are still Canelo looks at his right hand I don't know if you noticed that ringside deck and I don't know if anyone's been said anything since but he he looks at his right hand straight away and then when he walks back to his corner at the end of the round he says something to Eddie Reynoso in the corner looking at his right hand as he's talking so I don't know whether he's just saying God bless this right hand it might get me an early night or whether he says it hurts you know he didn't mention it after nor did he mention the left wrist but I thought the same when I interviewed him a few weeks ago he did say that during the first spars back he he couldn't really hit elbows or heads because he just couldn't risk it he said by the end of the camp he was punching wherever he wanted but you know he gets the little gloves on against John Ryder he hits the elbow first he's oh fucking hell I could do without that and maybe maybe decided against it and started headhunting a bit but I must say what do you think, George? Say you've just broken someone's nose. They're covered in blood. They're knackered. You, George Groves, just think, oh, I'm just going to march forward here and take this person out. Would you still think, right, if I vary my, if I vary my work, I've got a better chance? Or would you just think, nah, he's ready to go? And maybe that's what Canelo thought. I'm not sure. I mean, I was always like, it ain't over till it's over. So like, stay sort of, try and stay switched on. Don't waste no shots. People say, oh, if he don't get rid of him, he's going to gas out. So I was always scared of people saying, I'm going to get tired. Right, as you say, he's back in the sixth round. He's, he's sort of, he's not ahead. Every moment it felt like he needed to knock out to win, but he's very much in the fight. He's definitely commanded um, Canelo's respect. And there are large periods of the fight, like almost complete rounds where he doesn't really get the perfect work off Canelo that we're so used to. I'm sort of, now at the the ninth round and I think but at this point you know the the heavy breathing is having to stand up in the corner between rounds probably taking a few more shots at this point John Riley gets caught a couple of times in the ninth he's just not able to evade the shots quite as well well nowhere near as well as he was at the start of the fight start of the fight you know the 
sharp, slippy sort of head movements that John does so well. The southpaw stance, you know, would wait sometimes on the front leg where he can pull back sharp. He was starting to get caught a bit and then he, he looks like he's in a lot of trouble in the ninth round. It looks like there's consecutive right hands, nothing as heavy as the fifth, but they might as well be. It's just that John don't go down. And at that point, is he sort of going numb to the to these shots? I thought they might be having a look. I thought Tony Sims might be thinking, he's not going to win this fight and he doesn't really need much more of this. But then he kind of gets another foothold in it. He starts just dropping his hands and just firing back again, probably thinking about Nigel Benn. And then when he get kind of past that real crisis, the real second crisis of the fight, and gets to like 10 and then 11 and 12, he's kind of pretty comfy. He's not bleeding anymore. There's no more massive pressure from Canelo and he just can't quite find a finishing shot. And we should remember he took out Caleb Plant and Kovalev in 11. Ryan Rose way back when, but it was his last fight in Guadalajara. He went in 12. So like, it's not like Canelo just goes, oh, I can't be arsed, I'll just drift out. He, do he does still look for stoppages late on, but Ryder didn't let him have it. And so it meant we went to the scorecards, which was wide, of course. One of them though, James Hazelwood, big James has been in touch. He said, unbelievable heart by elite club member John Ryder even made Canelo look normal at times 120 107 that's a bit harsh so yeah that was one of the judges who obviously Canelo gave Canelo every round shutout and then with the knockdown 120 107 could you give Ryder any rounds what, what kind of how did you score it I mean even the last round sort of up for grabs you know for a complete shutout I mean some people get really hung up on it and some people some people don't where I haven't sat down and specifically scored a round I can't think of a round in particular I thought oh, John Ryder edged that but I don't think there was any dominant rounds from, from John the thought at the end of the fight was that you give him a share of two and maybe at one even and the last round as well so I'm watching the last round and he, and he rallies you know and you expecting Canelo to really just go hell for leather here you know he's not the one who's been in trouble in this fight who looks like he's been hurt you think he's him who is made that way he's that fighter who throws caution to the wind and will um, try and finish with a massive onslaught now it's probably where we we might disagree here, dear Deck, is if he is hinting at, at retirement, I think this is a perfect time for him to um, hang up the gloves because sure his stock's risen and there might be an opportunity for him to be involved in more big fights, but he did take one hell of a slacking. His nose is busted. You know, he, he took a lot of heavy shots. There is more to life to boxing and he might be at that stage now. And for the sake of him getting in great shape and trying to give a Benavidez a run for his money, get stuck in with a Eastern European unknown for a final eliminator or something like that. I'm not sure. But for him, this could be a, a great time to maybe think about life after boxing. No, I think that's a good time for us to play what John said about his future. Let's see what he said. Uh, I don't know. I'll have a nice rest now with the family. Sit down with Tony, Charlie, Eddie, and we'll see where we go from there. So much to this over the last year, few years, and uh, not always got the rubber to green, uh, come here with a drink, like I said. Uh, it felt true, but that's boxing. Uh, but the first, I won't be the last. But listen, I've had to social media yet, and uh, all, the, all the feedback, so it's nice to sit there tomorrow with my family, enjoy them. It's a couple of days I look on social media, see us, the feedback is, and go from there. 
an hour after the fight in the bowels of the press conference, he's going, yeah, I'm ready. I want to go again. And I sort of feel like it's taken him a long time to get here to the level where you start making money that's going to change your family's life, which is what he's been tempting to do his whole career, of course. Would it be a missed opportunity if he did hang him up? He's second highest career payday might come and he might go that's a lot more than I got paid to fight Danny Jacobs and um, this might be an easier fight if he's the B side and he's there to lose essentially that's kind of where the question marks will sort of crop up I don't hold it against any fighter who would do that. You know, it's, it's, their, it's their right, really. If John Ryder is that sort of fighter, he's not an elusive fighter who doesn't take a lot of punches. You know, at, at times in particular fights, he can take a few big shots. So uh, we don't know what Tony Sims will be saying to him in the aftermath of this. Tony might not even know how he was thinking and feeling. He might be of the mindset of his opportunities here now for you to really change your life. You know, this payday against Canelo, yes, yeah, lovely, but it's in dollars. And the pound's not doing so well this week. And then we got to convert it over. You've got to pay your tax. You've got to pay this, pay that. And it turns out you still owe money on your mortgage. It's time, time to go again. It's a difficult decision to, to decide to hang up. You know, if it's not necessarily injury... Or if the opportunities completely dry up, then if there's still something left on the table, but you walk away, it shows fucking gorilla balls, doesn't it? That fucking we know John Ryder's got. It's not a decision he has to make right now. You say fucking wait and see. But question I've got for you, Deck, is where do you now rank Canelo Alvarez on the pound for pound list? It depends where you sit on it with the defeat to Bivol, how much that damaged him, his positioning. But you got to remember, he did go up to light heavyweight for that. So it's like, he dared to be great. He went up somewhere that, you know, he started, his first world title was at 154 pounds, light middleweight, and he's all the way up at light heavy. So like, you can't really begrudge him that defeat to Bivol. But there are other fighters over the last few years who have done more than him, like Usyk, for instance, like Inoue coming and you've got Crawford and stuff. I think, you know, he's still happily in the top five, but what he does next is the is the really important one, I think. Gennady Golovkin fight three. How great was it? You know, the Bivol fight, he didn't show anything different. You know, if you're a pound for pound number one, you got to have plenty of strings to your bow, I think. You know, you think of an Usyk, a pretty complete fighter to the point where his power is underestimated, even though he can whack, you know, stuff like that. How flattering was his wins at Super Middleweight? I mean, it was phenomenal. Big St. George Groves had retired. James Gale was gone. How great was Caleb Plant? How great is Billy Joe Saunders at Super Middleweight? How hit and miss can Callum Smith be? You know, does he get in the top five now, Deck? Does he get in above Usyk and... A new a the great fighters can create a final chapter Manny Pacquiao for instance got absolutely cleaned out by Marquez and then he still comes back and has massive wins off the back of that defeat now Canelo is lost to Bivol and he, he wants to now the plan for him is September 16th Mexican Independence Day he wants a Bivol rematch we don't know what weight we don't know what the terms are he said he wants it the same terms as last time and he wants to get revenge if he goes out there and beats Demetri Bivol it's the best win of his career but it's the sign that he is no, he's not in decline he's actually got far more left in the tank and then if he does that he's kind of the world's his oyster again because then that, that itch has been scratched then you can start talking about Badu Jack for cruiserweight title in, for loads of money in, at Saudi then you could talk about Benavides there's possibility there's potential for a last chapter so unless anyone could tell me any different I've been racking my brains and looking over some records I don't think there's anyone in history who isn't British or Irish 
to have beaten eight Brits. I don't think there's anyone. I was trying to think of someone, like maybe someone could tell us different, but I think he's the biggest Brit basher in history. Maybe he'll go to 10 and 0 against Britain. Like maybe there's options still. He said last night he wants to box in London. Can't quite see it myself. I'm not sure where it would fit in, but maybe he gets to perfect 10 against Britain. But here's what he said when he was asked, where did he place John Ryder? How did John Ryder compare to the rest of the Brits? He's strong, he's, he did everything in the, in the ring and, and that's what I expect because I, I saw him fighting with other guys and he's, he's tough. Is he the best British fighter you've faced? Uh, I think so, yeah. So he's the best Brit of the lot, George. What do you reckon? I think John Ryder deserves it right here and right now. It's the worst consolation prize you can ever, <laughs> you can ever be dealt. But he caused Canelo a lot of problems. Were some of those problems almost self-induced? Would he have still had them same problems? The Canelo the box can't, for example. Do you think Bivol is the best next move for Canelo, George? I don't think he beats Bivol. When he looked at his right hand and I thought, have you hurt your right hand here in this fight? And like you're giving everyone watching at home a tell. Is his body start to break down now? He's had the surgery on the wrist where he's put it off, put it off, put it off. And now he's finally had it uh, after like two, three camps of bad wrist and then he's come back and it's not quite the same it, and Bivol don't seem like he's not an Andy Ruiz he's not going to go to his head he hasn't hit the lottery Bivol's probably on the up you know he's improving improved ahead of that Canelo fight when there was question marks around him you know earlier on in his career and then um, you know, he, might, he might be going strength to strength but we got to say hats off to John Ryder done everyone proud family proud the club proud even in defeat and who knows what you know whether we see him again but great performance from Ryder While you've been away, we've had uh, a little bit of boxing on over here in the UK, which I'm holding the fort with, to be honest. I doubt you've seen it yet. Boxer and Sky Sports. So we're, we're in Birmingham, right? Last uh, On Saturday Birmingham, night. Saturday night. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see the, the entire card, but I've, I watched the main, I saw the main event, uh, which was Joshua Buatzi against Stepien. Buatzi won a unanimous decision. Give us your breakdown. Tell us the, the nuts and bolts of it. What was the crack in Birmingham? It had a sparring vibe and I'm not sure which fighter who's more guilty of it I think I've got to say Joshua Buatzi and they were saying is this him sticking to the letter game plan instructions of his corner who is of course Virgil Hunter there was times where you thought you got to crank it up one and two shots is not enough the fast stiff snappy jab that he throws is great but it's, it's just that like there's there's no other va variation to it so after about three rounds you start to have the feel for me it's a high quality technical sparring session you know they're both classy operators no one's really doing anything clever to set the traps to land something big and then change your pace try and jump on the guy in front of him they're both trying different angles and variations of the punch so Buatzi will throw the straight right the bent arm right you know the, trying to bring it round the side he's got all those punches in his arsenal 
But I think a change of pace was was kind of needed. You know, he, even if he just throws a couple of slow ones to try and lure him in and then throw a fast one, everything was fast and snappy, but there was no, literally was that, that sparring feel. He's in no trouble after after five. His jab was a little flat and pretty much the same thing, Deck. Like after five rounds, I'm thinking one or two shots, you know, either cut an angle, go again, go again. And he, and he kind of doesn't. And it's, it is a little bit frustrating. In the sixth round, he did start to vary the jab with, with a decent left hook. So a lead left hook, just giving Stepine something else to think about, just coming at a slightly different angle. And that, that sort of stopped after 30 seconds. So the fight's finished. You're thinking 10 rounds against a good opponent, but we ain't really seen anything anything spectacular here. He's been out of the ring for a year. So they were saying, was it was it is it ring rust? You know, is it following a game plan? Is it just tank going wrong deck? I'm not sure. One of the scorecards was um hundred to ninety, obviously one of UD. Was it that was it really that? wide Buatsi won every round then Buatsi won every round I think there are judges out there that, that like the Buatsi style and they might think that he the shot some of the shots that he lands are like the eye catching shots and score him the round also if you're scoring it round by round I, I don't really have a problem with the scorecards I just want to see more from Joshua Buatsi and he's in there a good good level of, of opponent and it's not even that you put him in with a high risk fight or a high pressure fight or a better opponent you'll see a better Joshua Buatsi it's just I think there is something still missing in his fight game. He's an exceptional fighter and I've rated him since the first time I met him. We brought him, he was a sparring partner of mine and I'm not being disrespectful. Like he was an amateur, just newly turning pro. I'm a seasoned fighter, probably close to fighting for world title, if not a world champion. He'd come and easily hang and do eight or uh, six or eight rounds with me, sometimes 10. And uh, that's phenomenal. And if I wasn't switched on, he would bash fuck out of me. So, um, and there was no one out there like that deck. You know, there was no one out there like that who's at that level who could do that. But we need more. Like we, we do genuinely need more from him. You've sort of put it into a nutshell there, how everyone seems to feel about Buatsi in this country. Because I remember in the Olympics, that was a very strong team that he was in with Joe Joyce and Akoli and Kelly and all that lot. I remember thinking he's the best of the lot. Can punch, fearless guy. And it just kind of hasn't really taken off for him. But having said that, we'll we'll talk about kind of world titles in a sec, but in Britain alone, where do you think he lands at the moment? Do you think Buatsi beats Anthony Yard and Dan Aziz at the moment? Like, where do you think he lands in that three? I might be biased just because I've done a lot more rounds with him. And I think Dan Aziz gives him... a super run for his money. He has operated at the higher level a little bit and then having that Craig Richards win will serve him well. Dan Aziz might be one or two fights away from changing my mind. You put Aziz in with a yard and he does a, a job on yard, then all of a sudden we're talking about something else. I think Callum is probably the best in the division uh, in the in the UK. I think he beats Buatsi. He's got a lot more to his game than Dan Aziz and if he can put that together on, on the night. Same with Anthony Yard. I think he's got a bit more to his game and, and beats Yard on, on his night, but I wouldn't be convinced of it. Yeah, because I was always really high on Buatsi and thought he would emerge as the, the one in the in the little clutch. But when I spoke to Dan Aziz after he beat Thomas Foray in France, and you know, I said to him, everyone's asking about Buatsi now, you're both with Sky and blah, blah, blah. They're very close mates, known each other for years. And Aziz said, you know, when he was starting, he was like, I was shit and Buatsi was the man. And he was like, just to be mentioned in the same breath as him now as a potential opponent is mind-blowing for him. And it just is testament to how far he's come. But at the same time, it also just underlines the Buatsi sort of stalling. Right now, I feel like they, they'd be all good fights for him. Um, and then you can think about world titles. There was talk that they're going to try and make the Bivol fight, but I believe that really was 
a matchroom thing and in a bid to keep Buatsi at matchroom was let's deliver the, the Bivol fight but then you're with us for however many fight, fights after I wouldn't fancy him in that at the moment I wouldn't fancy him in a Baturbia fight at the moment but I think there's still a long way to go one thing I did want to ask you about this though George Virgil Hunter as we talked about is his coach now obviously was the the man behind Andre Ward who turned up at his gym as a kid one of the best of all time Andre Ward at the weight it's not like a magic touch he hasn't done that with everyone he's ever worked with Andre Ward was, was an exception to that he worked with Amir Khan we know that he made improvements there and with plenty of other fighters as well do you think this is a good match the Buatsi Virgil Hunter one I think what we in two I think they're two fights in or three fights into this little allegiance do you like it do you think this is the good team and this is the pairing that, that Buatsi needs to really go forward the only concern I'd have with working with Virgil Hunter is I can imagine he wants and likes to have a lot of time to develop his fighters he might need to get you when you're 10 years old start producing that when you're 25 and if you're not made up that way then are you going to really be able to do it he's got a clever eye a knowing eye and I think Buatzi is a clever guy he's always come across as smart and wants to be a smart fighter so I think working with a smart trainer makes a lot of sense and essentially nothing's really not working for, for Buatzi yet he's just he's not flying he's left matchroom of his own he's now with boxer on sky so They'll be wanting to put him in with Dan Aziz or the likes. They'll be making fights in-house or they want him to be in, in exciting fights. Very interested to see what he does next because, yeah, like I said, he should be one of our biggest stars. And he's just not quite yet, but he should be. So that's the first weekend, the big weekend of May. Cinco de Mayo's done and dusted both sides of the pond. But that's just the start of this month. A mad month, George. Mad month. I mean, it's the conclusion of Dexico, first and foremost. We'll see if Ross can put a little jingle in here for you. Sad one. Back to reality. But yeah, what a week has been. And John Ryder, who knows what, you know, what comes next for John Ryder. But Joshua Boazzi marches on as well. What we got coming up though, George? We have our Wednesday episode, but it's with none other than Hall of Fame promoter, living legend, entrepreneur, the brilliant Barry the Hitman Hearn. Amazing. Actually, I've got an apology, George. On the subject of Hearns, I didn't get his ring walk playlist. In the press conference after the fight, so let me paint you a picture. John Ryder has done his presser. He's gone back to his fight hotel. He's already being hugged. I look at my phone, it's half 11. I'm thinking, fucking hell, this is good. This is good news. Like, we're never finished at this, you know, just waiting for Canelo. We're never at this point. Usually it's one, two o'clock. Thinking, yes, I'm saying to people, wow, we'll be out of here pretty soon. Canelo wait, left us waiting like an hour and a half. Rocks up at kind of 1 a.m., just gone. Packed throng Mexican media we're in Mexico you know like hundreds of them and I thought to myself you know, maybe this is the time to ask Eddie what his ring walk playlist is just to sort of go dum, dum, dum. Uh, Declan Taylor from the, the George Groves Boxing Club Eddie what's your ring walk playlist choice but I thought better of it I probably wouldn't have made it out alive he would definitely be that fighter who says to Frank Smith you pick my tune but Barry's got one he lives and breathes it I think he sings it every morning in the shower so we'll get Barry's and it'll make up the empty seat of the other Hearn if anyone's worried about maybe missing that one George is there anything they can do any steps they can take technical uh, logistical steps they can do to ensure that they don't miss this special with Baza what you want to do is you want to hit the follow button in your podcast app that makes you an elite club member and Deck, talking of Eddie Hearn, that was last week's episode. So for Eddie's ego, we need to make that the number one episode of the club's history. So go back, listeners. If you're listening now, but you missed last week, go back and listen. And then if you did listen to it, then I don't know, share it with one of your mates who hasn't listened. If you want to get in touch on the socials like Matt J. Kelly did and James Hazelwood did, George, do you know how they could do that? How did Matt J. Kelly and James Hazelwood get in touch? They would have either got to us via our socials, 
which is at GG Boxing Club. They could email us, Dick, on... GG Boxing Club at crowdnetwork.co.uk. I've got to say this. This is fucking brilliant. So Apple Reviews is where you can get in touch, right? That's, that's one you can definitely get in touch, right? Someone who did, right? And it's personal between me and you, Devil Dog Swaddle. He said, the subject is, George is great, but Dick... You need to clear your throat, mate. Have a warm drink and a quick cough. It's so distracting. This is my voice. If I go, <clears throat> it's not like I come back speaking French. This is literally my voice, devil dog swaddy. It's personal between me and you. I'm going to do you some serious... No, not really. Keep them coming. Listen, I'm sorry about the voice. Of fucking... I feel like Sean Dyche. You can also check out the Ringwalk playlist on Spotify and you can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Am I going to see you Wednesday then? You're going to be there sharp and uh, ready to go. I'll be like popping strepsils willy-nilly. <laughs> I cannot wait. Dexy Wednesday. Safe flight home. See you, mate.